The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples left from there and began a journey through Galilee, but he did not wish anyone to know about it. He was teaching his disciples and telling them, the Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him. And three days after his death, the Son of Man will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to question him. They came to Capernaum, and once inside the house, he began to ask them, What were you arguing about along the way? But they remained silent. They had been discussing among themselves on the way who was the greatest. Then he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone wishes to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. Taking a child, he placed it in their midst, and putting his arms around it, he said to them, Whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. On this Sunday, when we hear in the gospel of the importance of being like a little child, I think it's worth spending a few moments reflecting on that. And I discovered a poem entitled, On Turning Ten. It's written by an adult, but through the lens of a ten-year-old. And I can remember, at least with my nieces and nephews, making a big deal that they were turning 10 because they were double digits now. And that was a big deal. And the next milestone after that would be 13. But this, the poet says the following. The title is On Turning 10. Makes me feel like I'm coming down with something. There's a, that's a great start. At four, I was an Arabian wizard. At four, I could make myself invisible. I could make myself invisible by drinking a glass of milk a certain way. At seven, I was a soldier. At nine, I was a prince. But turning 10 is not easy. This is the beginning of sadness. As I walk through the universe and my sneakers, it's time for me to say goodbye to my imaginary friends. I used to believe that there was nothing under my skin but light. Cut me and I would shine. But now, when I fall upon the sidewalk, upon the sidewalk of life, I skin my knee. I bleed. It's a poem about, a poem about the hard reality of reality that moving from childhood into adulthood, even at the age of 10, you notice the change. And it's a reflection, I think, upon the reality for all of us that sometimes life is hard and sometimes it's not all that we hoped for. And that brings us into today's gospel. We have 12 apostles and a group of disciples and a significant number of followers of Jesus who have a particular image of life. Their life has been hard. 
They're a group of Jewish people. They're living under occupied, in occupied territory under the Romans. Life is not easy. They're looking for a Messiah. They're looking for someone to rescue them. They want this Messiah to restore Jerusalem to the way it was under King David. That was the glory days. That was the time they want to go back to. Anything's got to be better than today. So they're looking for a great leader. They're looking for a military hero. They're also looking for a healer. And they're looking for a miracle worker. And in Jesus, it seems they have found that person. But at this point in the second half of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is saying, like this 10-year-old, Jesus is saying, if you cut me, I bleed. Yes, you see me as the Messiah, but if you cut me, I bleed. And here's the hard part, and you will too if you follow me. That's the reality that creeps into today's gospel. Last week and in the preceding passages of this gospel, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? I asked what people say I am, but who do you say that I am? And Peter gives a great answer. It's a profession of faith. He says, you are the Christ. Peter gets it absolutely right. But then when Jesus talks about how Jesus has to suffer and die and his blood will be shed, Peter starts to argue. He says, this can't be. And that's when Jesus immediately rebukes him. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Peter, the rock, at that moment becomes the stumbling block. And Jesus rebukes him. And Jesus reminds him and all of us that the role of a disciple is to follow Christ, but not to be a stumbling block, be a follower, but not a stumbling block. And Jesus says to be a follower, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And at this point in the Gospel of Mark, it's now the second time they have heard that from Jesus in this very short Gospel. It's the second time they've heard that he has to suffer. This time when they hear it, they're silent. And they continue along the way, and that silence evolves into a squabbling, into an arguing about who among them is the greatest. And so Jesus gets wind of it. He puts them on the spot. And to put it all in perspective for them, Jesus then takes a child and puts the child in their midst. And at this point in history, the child is way down on the social ladder, right at the bottom. So the disciples go from talking about who's the greatest, and they now see the least placed in their midst. And Jesus says, whoever receives one child such as this receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but the one who sent me. That image of the child in their midst. During this course of the family weekend at the football game yesterday, I was walking around and there was a young mom there with a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And those boys were mesmerized by the football game. They were in their glory. And the mom said to me that she wished she could freeze frame this point because she loved having a six-year-old and a four-year-old because they were inquisitive, everything was new, they were wide-eyed, discovering things. There was an innocence about them. And so parents know very well what it is to receive a child in their midst. 
in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, whether spirits are up and down, you know what it is to have a child in your midst. And parents are the first teachers of faith. As you heard in the baptism rite when the child was baptized, parents are the first teachers of the faith. And the community of believers are also teachers of faith. And we hand on a vision of faith to bring about the kingdom of God. And we hand that vision on to children and to young adults and even to those around us in a spirit of evangelization. And so that innocent child that is in the midst of the disciples, that stands, that child stands in very stark contrast to society. A secular commentator of all people spoke on the importance of the Ten Commandments, specifically the tenth one, that society today, if only we would focus on the tenth commandment, thou shalt not cover your, thy neighbor's possessions, life could be so different right now if we focused on just the tenth commandment to be satisfied with what we have. And that's where the letter of James comes in, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. There is disorder and every foolish practice if only we could focus on the 10th commandment and be satisfied with what we have. And so when Jesus places the child, the innocent child in the disciples' midst, it's a reminder that Jesus is living a life of self-emptying and he is loving for the sake of the kingdom of God. And that's what we're called to do too, to do acts of self-emptying love for the sake of the kingdom. So when those seemingly hapless disciples in the Gospel of Mark ask, who's the greatest, that flies in the face of what Jesus is trying to accomplish in his mission on earth. Again, according to James, envy, ambition, those are disordered. Don't worry about being the greatest. Worry about self-emptying and doing good acts and loving one another. And by Jesus putting the child in the midst and in our midst, he's reminding us that we need to let go of envy and ambition. And we need to stop squabbling. He also is making the point that children know what it's like to be told what to do. Adults don't always like that, but children know what it is to be told what to do. You just do what mom and dad says. It echoes the obedience of, of our following the will of God. What does God say to do? Well, let's do it. And here's the innocent part. Children get lost in the present moment. There's a beauty of that. The two little boys watching the football game, they were mesmerized. They were in the moment. They didn't know what else was going on around them. They were living in the moment. And that's very poignant, and it's a reminder of our call to live joyfully and to abandon ourselves to the present moment. Envy says, oh, what didn't I get? Or how have I been wronged in the past? Ambition, wrong ambition, says, what am I going to do in the future? But let's abandon ourselves innocently and joyfully to live in the present moment. We're called to be childlike. And we're called to be followers of Christ, not stumbling blocks, but followers. And we're following Christ up the hill of Calvary. We're following Christ into the kingdom of heaven. 
And today we lift up our hearts in praise and thanks to God because Jesus gives us the example of what that is like. He places his arms around a little child and places that child in our midst. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is all about.